This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. Okay, uh, so welcome. Uh, I want to introduce you to CoinJoin if you don't know it, and maybe we can discuss a bit about you know, the implications and privacy aspects, etc. CoinJoin is basically a solution or a technique to improve privacy and fungibility in Bitcoin. So it doesn't happen, for example, the same thing that happened with Facebook and Google, that they are able to see your data, track it, and maybe monetize it and make money out of it. You know? The same can happen with governments, for example. They can also track, track, uh, track stuff in the, in the blockchain because the blockchain is open, right? So everybody can see it. And it's very easy to actually make connections between uh, payments and transactions from the same persons. There's a very nice website that you can check, which is KYCP, which means knowyourcoinprivacy.org. And you can uh, basically go there, put your address or your transaction, and it will tell you which vulnerabilities your privacy has and which, which kind of yeah, score in privacy terms do you actually have. On the other hand, there's blockchain analysis companies, like, uh, for example, uh, Neutrino, right? which they want to actually use blockchain analysis or they are supposed to do blockchain analysis for legit purposes, for searching, for example, for stolen funds, for money laundering or terrorist, terrorism finance. And yeah, I include here like a question mark in money laundering because it always depends on the authority that actually sets or identifies who is the money launderer. No? Because for example, like interesting for me is that uh, like right now in Venezuela, like nobody trusts the government of Venezuela anymore, uh, but that was not the case 10 years ago. So in Venezuela, we had had currency control since 20 years, which means that sometimes I used to go abroad with my credit card, and uh, if I would try to spend my credit card abroad, I would be flagged as a money launderer, even if it's my money inside, you know, that I earned in uh, legit means in Venezuela. So it's always uh, depending on you know, who's the authority that actually sets these kind of things. So the way that CoinJo works is that it works on top of the transaction graph. As we know, basically all the coins that are in existence, they come from a coin-based transaction, which is basically the one that the miners create, or from other coins from the same graph. So it's very simple to identify, you know, if you, are, if you have one of those coins, you can trace it back and forward to every kind of, you know, to see the history and the future history of, of a coin. And you can identify what happened before, basically. So, for example, if, uh, if I withdraw my money from an exchange that has KYC and I use my money to spend it somewhere, it's very easy for the exchange to know in what do I spend the money, let's say. Or they can analyze this in a, let's say, in a collective way, in a, in a bulk way, they can, they can basically try to see what I do. And maybe they can monetize it in the future, who knows. So the way that CoinJoy coin works is that basically it breaks this transaction graph, which means that you don't know your coins that, that were after the CoinJoy. You actually, it's very difficult to identify where the coins came from. So it's, uh, it breaks this graph and you cannot know exactly from which coin transaction comes or from which previous transactions actually came. The way they do this is through something that is very famous in this space, which is basically an anonymity loves company. 
you coordinate with other people that want to do exactly the same as you and uh, that they want to mix their coins and you create one transaction out of the mix, out of, out of all the coins of everybody in a way that every output of the transaction is exactly the same, the same, the same number and then it's impossible to identify from which output you, know, you can connect to each input. In this case, for example, on the last tree on the right side, uh, it's actually very difficult or, or impossible in some cases to know which are the three inputs of the, of the, left, left, the left side. Good yeah. question. So, Quadrant is one of these mixing services? Basically, yes. It's one of mixing services, but the nice thing about Quadrant is that it's, it's safe in a way that you, your, your funds, your coins are never at risk. Okay, but what the analytical tools normally do they also identify mixing service providers and, and flag these um, in the analysis when you, when you look into the, into the transactions on the blockchain. Exactly, yes, that's true. Uh, what I'm trying to like, introduce here is that uh, CoinJoin can be very well used for legitimate purposes. No? It doesn't mean that it's actually something doing bad. I use CoinJoin myself all the time, for example, right? And it's just to protect my own privacy. And it's, it is true that the, the analytic tools, they actually detect coins or something, as something, or they flag it. But they flag it in a very, very relative score compared to other like really malicious stuff. Yes. Because exactly, it's actually difficult to know, after the coin joy, it's very difficult to know what happened or before the coin joy. So that's why they flag it. Like it's a bit malicious, but not so much. The coin joys can be between a lot of parties. This is like a, more than a hundred people, or a hundred people actually coin join. And that's what is defined by the anonymity set. So in how many people you are mixed, basically. And that's very normal to have hundred people uh, coin joins, basically. Some of the implementations that do this, that are very famous in this space, is Wasabi Wallet is the most famous one, which is basically a wallet that is you install in your computer. Very simple to use. You just select which coins do you want to mix and it automatically mixes your coins with other people, a hundred other people, for example, in the space, in a, very, in a way that you cannot lose your funds, basically. There is other risks, like, for example, you need to pay Wasabi Wallet for this service, because this is a paid service. So there is uh, an address, for example, that Wasabi Wallet uses that can be identifiable as you are using the Wasabi Wallet service. There's also Whirlpool, which is one that uh, belongs to another wallet, which is Samurai Wallet, which is also very famous. And there's finally one that is called Joint Markets. It's the more rough implementation of it, let's say, because it requires more technical expertise to, to use it. So what happens if there, are, there aren't a hundred other people wanting to transact Bitcoin at the moment that I want? What happens is that there is like a minimum quorum that is required. Usually, for example, in Wasabi, that is 100. The quorum is 60. And if after some time, I think it's one or two hours or something, there is more than 60 but less than 100, the mix starts automatically. If it doesn't reach the quorum, you are just queuing. This is a service that you just leave on the background doing stuff for you. I think Whirlpool, for example, in Wasabi, in, in Samurai wallets, you can actually pay for stuff. And at the same time that you're paying for stuff, you can find partners. At the, if there is partners at the same time, they will be conjoined as you pay for stuff. So there is there is plenty of improvements to this kind of protocols, I think. But do you trust them? You don't have to. You never trust. You don't have to trust them because trust it's them. it's impossible that they steal your coins. 
In the can, beginning, there were a lot of services who did it like Custodio, so they exactly. collected the coin and then did the coin join, so they had all the information, but that's no longer the case. Yeah. Okay. No, it's essentially that if you have, I mean, for, for one transaction to be valid, it has to be signed by all the inputs. And everyone who's, every input that you signs... You where it goes and then they can sign it. Yes, um, the signature that I, as one of the inputs, have to make on this, uh, on this signature includes all the outputs. So you, you just have an interactive protocol where, where you decide, where you agree on what is the transaction that we want to do, what are the inputs of that, what are the outputs, and only if all participants sign this transaction, only then it's valid. But they if can not show valid. you some fake transaction. Right. You yourself can uh, deserialize the transaction on your device okay, okay. and verify that your output is among the outputs. Exactly. I mean, th this, is, this is the same way that usual transactions work. Instead, uh, just the difference is just that usually all the inputs belong to you and you sign all the inputs and all the inputs belong to different people and different people sign them. That's and it seems that it's actually so safe that even uh, once in a chat some, or in a ask me anything uh, a guy pretended or he claimed to be from chain analysis and they were asking him questions and he basically said there's no way to de-anonymize Nobody knows if this is uh, true. However, uh, it has been said that it's actually pretty difficult. And I, if I remember correctly, even when we were uh, in, the, in the police talk here in Zurich, uh, they also gave examples about different kind of chain analysis that they did. And they said themselves that whenever they found a coin joint, like things actually got very, very complicated for them. So it seems that uh, coin joint is something that uh, it's, it's only worth to do analysis on top of that if you really, really have a motivation to do so. So only for big players, chain analysis companies actually you know, focus on these kind of things. I, I have a question. I mean, how is it possible that with CoinJoin you can hide the origin of the transactions? So there are measures in place which make it possible, but shouldn't it be possible to revert also these me measures? No? Why not? I think analysis uh, also should be pretty easy because you you know the coin joint transaction, right? So yeah. we have inputs and outputs. Yeah. So if I now analyze, it takes a lot more analyzing and computing power, exactly. but if I now analyze all the 100 outputs and all the 100 inputs and I look like at spending patterns, time when things were spent, all these kind of things, then I should be able at some point when I have enough information to map the right inputs to the outputs. Yeah, that's if true. You, not if you're just hodling, obviously, but if you have a spending pattern, it should get at some point with more data and information, it should get. That's different, though, but I think, it, in my opinion at least, it's not so scalable as you might think, right? So, so it, I think it's a good trade-off in a way because it, it protects individual privacies of you know, but good if actors. I know, I can know. But if you want to know exactly, but you would probably spend this effort only on really, really bad stuff. I mean, so the I guess the the best analogy that you can make to a coin join is um, let's imagine you have this table. You have a hundred people coming here. Uh, everybody throws a hundred franc note in. Uh, then, then you, you you don't you cannot see what happens in between, and everybody leaves again with a hundred franc note. Like um, you cannot link the inputs to the output because um, in between the input and the output, it was just one big pot of money. Um, of course, uh, this is what the, these these talk about um, usage patterns is like. I mean, if you know, for example, if you see, for example, 
that before the coin join, like 20 of these 100 franc notes have been used like, together, have probably been in the same wallet, belonged to the same person. And then after the coin join, you can see that, yeah, there are 20 that are somewhat used together. Then you are reason, it's, it's reasonable to believe that, those, that that's the same person. Or if you have a subscription that you pay for every month, yes. and one person does that before and one person does it after, it's yes. clear it's the same person. Um, and this is also something that worried me a bit when Alessandro said that, that in Vasavi Wallet you can choose which coins you want to, um, to, to join, the coin join, whatever. Um, because uh, if you have it in the same wallet, you have some that were uh, coin joined and ones that were not then you are likely to spend them together with ones that are still identified with you. Right? So, um, so the, the, the principle of coin join is perfect in a sense. Mm -hmm. There is no one-to-one -one correspondence, but you do have to have some obsec around that uh, to, to not screw yourself up regardless of this perfectness. But it requires a lot of more, a lot more probably, it's, it's probably much, much more difficult to, it, it breaks the link at some point. Right, the, um, the, the chain analysis uh, is called chain analysis for a reason, because the longer the chain um, of the UTXOs that you can follow, the easier it is to, to somewhat um, see patterns. And you cut the chain, you, you, you leave less history lying around to recognize your pattern, but you probably also have to do it from time to time in order, in order, in order to, to not leak information again. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely not a perfect solution at all, not even close, right? And there is no 100% perfect privacy. That's why it has been used. Scammers have been using CoinJoin before, and they have been caught because of that, right? For example, there's, a, there's an example of the plus, plus, plus token scam, which was basically a Ponzi scheme in China, if I remember correctly. And yeah, they were, they were doing their Ponzi and uh, like, I think in the end of the Ponzi, they basically wrote a blog post where they said, sorry, we have to run. <laughs> and then they just disappeared forever. So then after that, the, the police started to track, basically through the blockchain, doing chain analysis to see what they did with the tokens. And the, the, the scammers were actually smart enough to, do, to use CoinJoy. They actually used Wasabi specifically uh, but they used it incorrectly. They probably did what Levin uh, said before. Like they probably didn't mix some coins. They also did self-shuffling, which is basically mixing your own coins without any other people, which they thought it was going to be very smart. But in the end, uh, it's not so useful because you actually don't break the chain, uh, the transaction links there. It's basically you coming in a room, putting a hundred <laughs> francs notes on the table, shuffling them and leaving again with hundred exactly. francs. It's useless. So, and uh, in the end, they basically, after they did like enjoying the stuff, they went to uh, exchanges and they deposited the exchanges there. And the police found out, you know, because they basically their OPSEC was terrible in the end. So they went to prison. I think it was like six people they went to prison. They stole more than, I think it was 70,000 bitcoins or something like that. Like a huge, huge. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, first, it's, it's all close to impossible to, to, to mix 70,000 Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? So you do need an anonymity set of someone comparable, of, of people, of other people, of a high number of other people with a comparable size. That doesn't work. Sure. So actually, funny thing that exactly after these scammers went to prison, I think a week after or so, Binance flagged the user 
because the user basically did a withdrawal and exactly after he did the withdrawal, he did a coin join. So it's actually very interesting that uh, exchanges are starting to, to verify the, not the history of the transactions, but the future usage of used transactions, which sounds a bit weird in my opinion, right? Probably because they, you know, they heard the story about the coin join and they started to flag it, you know? So the user in the end, I think, got their Bitcoins back, but yeah, now people are scared about using Binance because of that, which is not the best for uh, fungibility in my opinion. And why is so there's actually improvements for CoinJoin, which is very interesting. So it tells us a bit that, you know, this thing is not going to go away. And I think it's going to be, become more challenging for risk analysis companies to detect scores. And privacy issues are going to become also more relevant. So there's something that is called PayJoin, PayJoin, which is, it's interesting because basically if you want to pay for something, what you do is that you agree with the recipient of the payment. And in a single transaction, basically you pay each other until the, the final amount or the final state is that the receiver actually has more money than you. So basically you did the payments. This transaction is pretty much equivalent to a normal transaction in Bitcoin. So you pay somebody and you get basically a change back. So it's indistinguishable for any, any analysis company at all. But yeah, I think this so far is it's implemented in like very small scale, but I think, you know, most likely or well, it's likely that this will continue growing in usage. There's also uh, something that is called CoinSwap, which is interesting, which basically means that two people put their coins in a smart contract and after a time the smart contract gets released and then the coins are actually switched in a way. So basically you also break the transaction graph using that. And that's actually very interesting because uh, with the new software fork uh, that will happen in Bitcoin Pro in the next months or so, which is called Taproot. Taproot basically makes smart contracts to be indistinguishable of normal transactions, if I understood correctly. So basically CoinSwap transactions could be also indistinguishable for uh, uh, interesting regards to uh, normal transactions. We will have an education session about Taproot. And uh, there's also Schnorr, multiple Schnorr signatures. Uh, when, when, if they add multiple aggregations features, which basically means that in a coin joint transaction, you actually need to have a signature per each UTXO, which actually the signature consumes a lot of space in the block, so it requires to pay more fee. But if you do signature aggregation, you can only have one signature for all the UTXOs, so you actually save money using CoinJoin, which is actually a very interesting incentive that if, if it happens, that will be very interesting because, yeah, people are always, you know, willing to save money, so. Although this is not going to be included in the next fork, though, but maybe eventually. Yeah, that's, that's it. So, um, just my conclusion is that I think privacy is going to become a very interesting topic in the next years. And I really doubt that these solutions are going to stop being used. I think they're going to improve every time more. So I think risk analysis is going to become like a, quite, quite a, an interesting topic. So I still don't get how CoinJoin works. At <laughs> all. <laughs> no, no. Imagine I have five Bitcoins in a wallet. I think or I fear they are somewhat tainted, whatever, or for privacy reasons, whatever. I want to mix them up and get some other coins back. So. How do I do that? Uh, I have a Wasabi wallet, I choose CoinJoin, yeah. and then my, con my five Bitcoins 
will be sent mixed with other coins, but how, how do I get my coins back? I mean, so there's I get, usually they get five coin five bitcoins back again. I mean, th th there is a link. No. Doesn't make any sense. So the thing is that in in a coin joint transaction, everybody gets exactly the same amount. So if everybody gets the same amount, it's very difficult to know who is who in the transaction. The idea is that you make ten transactions of point one bitcoin, and everyone does just point one bitcoin transactions. That you don't so know. one coin join has the same input amount yeah. per input and the same output amount per output. If you want to do five, you need to find a hundred other people okay, okay, do okay, five. Okay, That's okay. why I asked exactly. before how long you okay. have to wait to yeah. buy something. Exactly. It's difficult to find, exactly. It's exactly. a coordination problem in the end, so it oh, okay. could be difficult to find. Which is also why, why um, Vasavi does take some, um, some reward for, for coordinating that, for exactly. finding, finding partners okay. in that. That would make sense. But the thing is, I mean, from, from a theory perspective, you only do a coin join if you expect the coins you get back are more clean or more private, whatever measure you take, than the ones you send in, right? So, well, I mean, once the link is broken, obviously you always have the risk that you will be tagged as, you know, using a coin join. But the risk is broke. It's the, the link is broken, right? So it's, yeah, it is no, difficult. Sure that that I mean, just imagine, I do a coin join with my coins just for privacy reasons. Coins are clean, but for privacy reasons, I want to do it. I send, let's say, one Bitcoin. So now I get another Bitcoin back into my wallet. This could be a Bitcoin from a ransomware, right? It could be, but yeah, there's no I way to trace it back, right? There's yeah, trace it back. I have an issue. I am yeah, the owner of a coin, which is... No. You don't that know that's, which coin it that, is. That's not, it's not only that you don't know which coin it is, nobody knows. It's not that, it's not that they are randomly reassigned, right? It's that all of the money into conjoint goes into one pool, and then um, everybody gets a part of it out. So if if, if there are hundred participants and one of them uh, is from ransom, then after the conjoint, okay, each I'm of the outputs is one hundredth ransom. Okay, I got one percent of the ransom coin. Yeah, if you want to, yes. There is no, there is no linkage. There is not. This is not saying your output cannot be linked to your input because it might have been swapped or whatever. There is literally no linkage at all from any output to any input. Money goes into a pool, and you just take a, a take a cup out of that pool. So I think legally, you know, if, if it happens that you go to court or something, you can always claim how, how do you call this term? This plausible deniability. Plausible deniability. The yeah. exactly. thing is, I mean, I guess going forward, if I'm the regulator or, or the enforcement agency of, of, a, of a big state, let's say FBI, I see okay. A ransomware Bitcoin went into this coin join. There are another 50 Bitcoins. I've no clue where it went, what, what happened. The link is broken. I just flag all 50. True. And but say, okay, going forward, I now not only cover one address and watch one address closely, I'm going to watch 50 addresses. That's true, but that happens when you know the transaction is a coin join, right? But what happens yeah. whenever you don't know that's a coin Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, what's going to happen in the future. And if it's at some point, they, because all of these 50 do another coin showing, and then at some point they have to track millions of addresses. Yes. And that's some of the problem that, 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 that's one of the problems. Only a subset of Bitcoin users are going to do coin shows. Yes. This is if you, if you do, uh, you do another coin join, you do another coin join, then probability is quite high that you'll, that you, that you take the same hundred yeah. UTXOs. That's why everyone is doing it. That, that, that's stupid. <laughs> this is why you have this anonymity loves company. 
um, the question is always how big is the anonymity set of people that use CoinJoin for non-illicit purposes? And if, if there's like 50% of all Bitcoin users, then flagging becomes useless of CoinJoin. If it's like only the 0.01% that actually buys drugs, uh, you have 100 times uh, drug money input, and uh, everybody assumes later it's clean, but all of that was actually drug money, then it becomes stupid. Right. So this is because why, why awareness of privacy is a big topic on this, and this is not really about laundering money. This is about breaking the link. Yeah, but, right. but I mean, thinking a step further, if, if the first big regulator said, okay, look, I just have to assume that everyone using CoinJoin has somewhat not clean coins, so something is wrong with those people, and that's an assumption you can just do without yeah. any just justification. And I urge all exchanges and all trading platforms that have any fiat link, right, that's the only one they can do, for not accepting any CoinJoin coins. Yeah. But the, the, there's going to use CoinJoin then. But there's going to only be the people that really need it. True, but there, there, there's going to be improvements. I need like my privacy. Yeah, you can yeah. have your privacy, but then you're never able to convert no, it back. I, mean, the, the, I don't care. With yeah, with it's fine. with fiat, for example, really with with like cash fiat with banknotes, yeah. you do not have the link. Why would you argue that? Um, because now they can. Because, yeah, because, because they, they can. can. Because they can. But the, I mean, this comes back to a discussion that we had in a previous session that at the kind of fiat notes you could also have a link if you if you just take note of the of the serial number. But no uh, no shop will ever write down the serial numbers because it's useless. And the reason that it's useless to, to track those serial numbers is because by law fiat is uh, fungible. Right. So, so why, uh, if, if you make fiat fungible by law, why do you take uh, technical approaches to getting fungibility on the blockchain? Why would you flag that as illegal? For that the same is, reason as a lot of governments try to carve out any fiat usage, banknote usage. It's the same reason. I think there we have to really work on that as the people that we don't want that and that we want to keep our privacy in the future and we have to work on it, we have to talk to the regulator that it cannot be that just because you don't know you're automatically a money launderer and I think there we need the minds of many people should change that well, we Switzerland is quite well on this not getting rid of uh, banknotes mm. stuff yeah. Switzerland is pretty good, yeah. Yeah. they kept the percentage up but still but the trend is clear, and if you add some technical possibilities to do something, they're going to do it. Sure, that's for sure. But that, that's just the direction that that, um, that Alessandro showed here for uh, for having like a, a pay join, which looks like a typical transaction. So um, even if this is this will never be able to flag that as this is hundred percent coin join, this is uh, this is hundred percent um, anonymizing this. They might be able to flag it as this is 20% anonymizing it, which if you use it over and over again in the same pattern, yeah, maybe, uh, but that would also be the merchant and not the client, the customer. Degree of certainty with which a chain analysis firm will be able to flag uh, a certain address as having a history of anonymizing will go down. And if it's only we are 50% certain this is anonymizing, then it comes back to which exchanges, which brokers, uh, which banks do still accept those coins. I'm not sure where the barrier will be.
And I mean, with further technical development like Taproot and Schnorr and whatever else, we hopefully at some point have privacy per se on chain and I no longer need CoinJoin. Yeah, I'm a bit worried because this also goes the other way. Uh, there is also chain analysis gets better and better. That's true. Um, so it's, it's an arms race and if the arms race requires frequent forks, even if it's just soft forks on Bitcoin, then I'm out. Right? I, I do not want to change Bitcoin so often just to keep up with that. So this is, I mean, unless there is like a certain solution on chain, uh, this is likely going to drag out and likely Bitcoin will not be fast enough to adapt to the improvements of chain analysis tools. Let's see. Please, please, please somebody else say something else because this cannot be the last words. So. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. This episode was brought to you by Crypto Finance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch